In a world where pet dog owners are bombarded on all sides with well-meaning training solutions steeped in confusing jargon, two dog trainers from the ancient county of Dorset share a passion for gardening, Belgian shepherds, and helping frustrated and struggling dog owners turn their unruly canine companions into the perfect walking partner. They vow to simplify the dog training process using everyday examples and solutions providing the light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to the Fun Focus Play Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of the Fun Focus Play Podcast. My name is Dasha Lewis, and this is... Wendy Halliday. Today, we are going to have a chat about getting ready for the walk. Now, I don't know about you, Wendy, but I think that getting ready for your walk is actually one of the most important things that you should do before you actually, you know, pop that lead on your dog and and walk out that front door. Yeah, um, the walk starts um, inside your front door. Yeah. You you need the dog in the right frame of mind before you even think about putting a lead on or opening the door and off you go. Yeah. Do you have any issues with that? Do you... You know, have you any experience of, you know, overexcited dogs that will just go absolutely mad at the front door before you go out? I must admit, my dog is absolutely as calm as calm can be. She is absolutely awesome at this. And it's obviously something I've worked at um, throughout the times or the years that I've had her. But now she just, I have to actually call her to the door. To have her lead put on where she just sits and waits calmly. So I'm really, really lucky. <laughs> yeah, now I must admit that when I, you know, I must admit, yeah, I must admit that Cassie is not always the best. <laughs> she gets very excited at the prospect of going for a walk. And quite often that results in bouncing and barking and running around in circles, <laughs> all because she's just so excited to be going out. But if I take her out of that, in that sort of frame of mind, it sort of ruins the walk for us because she's just too hyper. So before going out for that walk and before even just picking up that lead, the very first thing that I actually do is I start my walk by deciding what I actually need to take with me. Because if I don't do that, I end up going out without the poo bags, I end up going out without treats, no toys, I will just have the dogs and if I'm lucky, my coat. If you're lucky. If I'm lucky, my coat, yeah. I'm one of those scatterbrains. I really have to plan things. And if I don't plan things, then they just will not happen. So I have this little routine that I go through. And actually, one of the most important things that I normally forget is my keys. (laughs) So I will go out the door and I'll be able to get back in again. So I have to have this routine. And, yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, we're just adding something to our list of the things that we must mention. (laughs) There's nothing like being prepared, you know, for podcasts or walks. So, yeah, so the thing that I need to do before I even put my shoes on, before I even think about going for a walk, is the very first thing I need to do is pick up my keys. Because if I don't do that first, then I will go out without them. So my first thing is actually picking up my keys. Unfortunately, that becomes a cue to my dogs that we are about to go out. So I might actually pick up my keys and then go and do something completely different. 
just to try and stop that overexcitement from building. Pick them up and move them. Yeah, pick them up, move them. Actually, I normally just pick them up and stick them in my pocket. So they're out of the way, but I know I've got them. (laughs) But then thinking about the actual walk, I also need plenty of treats with me. So that's normally the second thing that I do. So I pick up my keys and then I go to the fridge. And I don't put my keys in the fridge, although I have done that past. <laughs> oh, scatterbrain that I am. Um, but no, so I, I sort of go to the, go to the fridge and, and grab some extra yummy treats. So either some cheese or some sausage, anything that. Yeah, I can't actually use hot dogs with my girls. Um, unfortunately, um, they don't agree with Cassie, so I have to st- steer away from hot dogs. She gets quite sick when, when we have hot dogs. Um, so, you know, so I will prepare a little pot. I've got a little pot prepared full of treats in the fridge. And I will, you know, grab a handful, stick them in my treat bag, and then clip that treat bag around my waist. So that's sort of how I start my routine and you know then depending on sort of what I'm planning on doing on my walk I might even pick up things like a few different toys most of the time we will go out with a ball if nothing else mainly because my Luna my eldest Belgian that I've got at the moment um she's 12 now but she carries a ball on each and every walk and she loves doing it. She loves carrying that ball. She's happy doing it. She's happy doing it. All stems from the fact that she once upon a time was attacked by four different dogs over the space of 10 days, which left her very, very anxious. Yeah. So I ended up basically shoving a ball in her mouth so that she wouldn't bite other dogs. Um, worse on her very very hard and she's absolutely fine with the logs again now but she just wants that ball in her mouth now she got so used to carrying it that to her it's like a little dummy you know it says it gives her comfort so she just carries a ball i started off with tennis balls and this is a word a word of warning for everybody there um tennis balls are when they get dirty are actually very abrasive and they will um file down your dog's teeth so if you've got a dog that is really into their balls, please, please, please stay away from tennis balls. They are not good for your dog's teeth. I have actually changed to um, rubber balls. So I have a, a selection of rubber balls, um, one which we call the brain. Yeah. Because it has it got sort of that texture. Like it sort of has that texture on it, especially when you've got the pink one. <laughs> really looks like a brain. But yeah, they are much better, much kinder for your dog's teeth. And if they do get dirty, the, the sand and the soil hasn't got off. the fabric to sort of stick in. So they're really easy to clean and wash off. And, you know, you can even, if the grass is a little bit damp, just sort of wipe them in the grass and then they're nice and clean again so the dog can carry them again. Um, so, so, yeah, so I also normally just have a little walking bag with me as well as my treat bag. And in there are things like, um, I normally have a long line in there, mainly because um, I have got girls, there are entire. So, you know, if they're getting up to coming into season, they can get a little bit snarky. So we, I then sort of don't let them run off 
um, off the lead completely. I just make sure that they're on the long line instead so that they, um, you know, so that I know that they're not going to get themselves into trouble um, because the hormones are playing havoc with, with their systems. Um, and um, what else do I have in there? I have extra treats in there, um, spare balls, any toys that I want to take. Usually uh, a selection of toys. Yeah, a selection, yeah. Um, I normally stick a, a spare short lead in there as well because I have had leads snapping on me. Um, so there's always some extra spare bits and pieces in there. Obviously, you know, the, the, the poo bags and stuff are in there. And yeah, and whistles and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, my yeah. whistle never leaves my body. Yeah, well, I can see you wearing your whistle right now. Mine's on the, on the hook at the moment. And, you know, that kind of thing is, is how I, what I do to get ready for the walk. What about you? Have you got like a little routine that you have to go through before you go out? Um, I have to make sure I have keys in case my husband has to disappear because we care for his elderly mother. Um, so if he disappears while I'm out, I won't get back in. So again, I'm, I have to check I have keys in pocket and keys to fields and such like things and I carry a bag as well which has my poo bags in and my toys and various odd bits of rubbish if you actually search your way through it you know if I can't find it it's probably in the bottom of my bag somewhere and um, my dog has sort of lots of different toys that she plays with because I do um virtually all of my training when I'm out and about walking and in the countryside she's not too keen on training at home and um, purely because when we first had her and she was so nervous of absolutely everything we wanted her, her to have a safe place where she could just relax basically so she doesn't really train at home um until yeah, yeah. this week until this, <laughs> this week. week yes yeah now things have changed this week because we're doing a challenge aren't we we're yeah. doing a dog trainers challenge and basically we are being challenged to do it's for the whole of September and we are being challenged to do a different task each day. Um, so what we'll probably do is we'll, shall we video some of our sessions? We could. And then we can sort of put a little compilation video up um, and we'll pop that up on the Fun Focus Play website. Right. Okay, because there is going to be a Fun Focus Play website, guys. Um, as well as the training website, which is mightsaberdogtraining.co.uk. The Fun Focus Play website is going to be funfocusplay.co.uk. And we will be posting all these podcasts on there. There's going to be a blog on there as well. And we will, we will post some videos of us training our dogs on there as well. Cause I think that would be good really, and the, bad. the good and the bad. So that you can sort of see the processes that we go through when we're training our own dogs. And I think that might actually help some of you um, with some of the issues um, that you're having. So, yeah, so we're doing some weird and wonderful challenges at the moment. And um, some of them are really quite difficult. Yeah. Like the, you know, one of the challenges that we've got to do is teaching our dogs to open their mouths for a teeth inspection. Now, that's actually harder than you think it would be. <laughs> Much harder. Much harder than you think it would be. Even even for us, who know exactly, you know, all about timing and, and how 
crucial it is to get your timing right when you're training. But we're finding it a challenge um, because yeah. the actually dogs the dog don't open their mouths as wide as you'd think they're going to. You'd think holding a treat in front of their nose, they would open their mouths wide. Oh, do it's just wide enough to slip a bit of sausage in. And yep. that's it. And that's it. And that is the challenge is to get that mouth open wide enough so you can actually just look into it without having to open the dog's mouth. But also what I found is that my dog, when she takes a treat, doesn't just open her mouth. It just goes open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close. And she's nibbling at this treat that you've got in your hand. So what I actually found was I had to do away with the treat in the hand after about three reps. I had the treat in the opposite hand and then was doing it and that would work. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the other then way you can do it. Having to find different ways from yeah. how they first described it because it, it just not wasn't working. One way does not fit all. No, and and that's the one thing about dog training, isn't it? Is that what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to share some of those little videos with you, and we'll just do a little compilation of them. And um, what we'll do is we will we will post. A, uh, a little compilation of the the videos weekly. Yeah. Shall we do a weekly yeah, one? Yeah, weekly. Yeah, we can do a weekly one. And then you can sort of see what we get up to in our spare time when we're doing a little bit of training with our dogs. Now, let's get back to getting ready for the walk. Because <laughs> that is what this um, podcast is all about. So we sort of, both of us, gone through our sort of little routines for getting ready um for our walks and the first thing that we looked at was deciding what we need for our walk so what are you likely to be needing when you go out with your dogs and we touched on this one and that's calmness because you don't want your dog to be overly excited and i don't know if you could just hear that little tinkle of that little bell that's actually one of my dogs very politely asking if she can go out So, yeah, so if you go and let her out for me, it's not raining too badly at the moment, so she can go out and have a little mooch in the garden. Um, While we have a little talk about calmness, because I mentioned before that when I'm getting ready um, to go out for a walk with my girls, Cassie gets very, very excited, and Cassie is my youngest. Belgian Shepherd, she's not quite as bad as she used to be, but it used to be bark, 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 spin on the spot, um, jump up and down. She's doing all of it. Really, really excitable. Can't wait to go out. Completely hyper. Completely hyper. And actually, when you go out, when that happens, it's not a good thing because your dog is just going to be reacting to everything that goes on on the walk. Um, so I've had to calm things down when I get the dogs ready for a walk. And that basically means that um, when they, when we go out for a walk, I need to make sure that things are done in a calm way. And one of the, um, the ways that I've taught her to do this is by using the It's Your Choice game. I first saw it. On a video by, I think it was Susan Garrett. Yes, they want to come in now because it's, it's actually chucking it down with rain now. The moment they went out, it just chucked it down again so they can come back in. 
Um, so, so yeah, so what I did was I basically held some treats in my hand and presented them to my dog, not for her to take them, but for her to leave them. And what I did was I showed her the treat. She came forward to come and get them and I just placed my hand over them. And basically by doing this a couple of times, she realized that if she came forward to come and help herself, she wasn't going to get those treats. But if she stepped back and I opened my hand and she stayed back, she then actually would get a treat. So I would actually take a treat off my hand and give it to my dog. And oh gosh, you're soaking wet yeah, now. You're soaking wet. <laughs> so your dogs have just come back in, and of course now they want snuggles because they're wet. Yeah. The other one. Uh, <laughs> um, so so I actually used this same technique, and instead of holding those treats in my hand, what I did was I put a little pile on the cupboard by my front door, and basically when she was calm not barking, not jumping up, not spinning around like a mad thing, but just standing there looking calm, I would just pick up a treat and give it to her. So I actually adapted that particular choice game to um, to actually teach my dog to be calm by the front door. And it, it worked a treat. It really works really well. Um, and now I don't actually need to do that anymore. You know, we've worked on it. She's now a lot calmer by the front door. Unless, of course, the post arrives just as we're trying to yeah. go out. And it's much harder having three dogs as well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I have a three Belgian Shepherds. I have got three Grenadals. Um, Luna's the oldest at 12. And her favourite spot is her bed, where she spends most of the day. She would be quite happy if, you know, she spent all her life on there these days. Yeah, she's, quite happy on she's quite happy on there. Then we've also got Sena. Sena is an eight-year-old Belgian. Um, and she's a sweetie, isn't she? Yeah, she is very sweet. She's, she's very the sweet. cuddle monster. She's, she's the cuddle monster. She loves her cuddles. And then we have got Cassie, who is the excitable one, the youngster at four. And both Cassie and Sena are actually daughters um, from Luna. So I bred Mummy. Yeah, I bred Mummy. I bred Mummy Luna. Um, she had three litters in total, um, but we kept apart from the first litter and the third litter. So, but you you don't have a you don't have any problems with calmness from Ruby, yeah. isn't she? So she's no, quite she, chilled out dude these she days, is, isn't yeah. she? Mm. But did you ever have any problems with any of your other dogs? Or were they all really calm? No, and not they've really... all been really, really calm. I've been very lucky. You've been very lucky <laughs> because very lucky. Shadow, my first Belgian, um, the one that um, was tearing up the um, the carpets when I picked her up at the breeders, um, she used to just jump up and down on the spot. <laughs> she was just, just happy so... dance. Yeah, happy dance. Really happy dance. And actually, as a puppy, she would do... sometimes you see those little videos on Facebook of these puppies that are sitting, sitting down, and then they sort of do that with their feet. Again, you can't see what Natasha's doing. <laughs> but it's basically she was just like tap dancing tap with dancing her feet. Yeah. Um, and that's what Shadow used to do, just so excited about things. And I found with her, if I gave her a toy in her mouth while I was getting ready, she'd just sit there. Mm. 
and she wouldn't do that. So that wasn't too much of a problem. And um, Dali, my little Sheltie, who was my very first dog, used to go and get his own lead when it was time to go for a walk. So that was quite handy. Um, and then as you were, it would give you the lead. And then as he was, as you were sort of, you know, trying to clip him on the lead, he would just be running circles around you <laughs> because he then got too excited about the fact that he was yeah, going first, out for a walk. First catch your dog. <laughs> yeah. So at first catch your dog, then pop them on the lead. So, yeah. So making sure that your dog is nice and calm before you go out does actually make a big difference to your overall walk. Do you have anything to add at all? No. 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 Calmness is, is it. You know, that's it, it, it isn't it? Yeah, that's that is it. it. You know, if they're calm before you start, they're more likely to be calm when you're out. You know, it, you, as, as the saying goes, carry on, or start as you mean to carry on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and the calmer yeah. your dog is before you go out, yeah, the, the, the calmer the, they'll be. The calmer the actual walk is, the less issues you're likely to have. Um, and especially when you have got a dog that is a little bit reactive, a little bit anxious about things that go on outside, getting that calmness first before you go out is, is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got your dog that's bouncing up and down at your front door when you've done it and you walk out the front door and there's a pussycat sat there, um, you, the levels are just going to go sort of up and over and you're, that's it you'll be hopeless for the rest yeah, of the yeah your so. dog's your dog's excitement levels are going to be so high that you know there is no way in hell that they're going to be able to calm down for a walk and i must admit that if that happens here you know something goes past just as we're stepping out of the the front door and that might be um a cat another dog um you know posty arriving squirrel. anything like that squirrel anything like that then actually what i normally do is i come straight back in wait until everything's calm again before we go out even you... doing that i know that my dogs will be more likely to react to something when we go out because you know their excitement levels have been raised and what happens with excitement levels when they ri um, rise up is that when they come get to a specific point, and we'll talk about this in more detail in one of the other podcasts, um, but basically what happens is that even though your dog calms down, the excitement levels don't quite come down quite as fast as what they appear to do because your dog now seems calm, the excitement level is still quite high. They're still waiting for the. They're still you know, waiting for something, the something to happen. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So actually, getting that calmness back is quite important. And then you can take your dog for a walk, but know that they are going to be more likely to um, to react to something that happens on the walk where they might not normally react to it. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've covered everything that we wanted to cover for today um what have you got planned for for this week anything exciting we've got rally tomorrow afternoon yeah we've got rally tomorrow afternoon providing it doesn't rain <laughs> providing it's not chucking it down with rain we will be doing rally <laughs> obedience outside Sorry. um our training venue is outside um this is where we, we do our classes um and um we like training outside because it's more relevant to what dog owners actually do with their dogs. You yeah, know, they we get tractors going past and you get the 
sirens going up and down the road and various odd things, sheep in the field. and Yeah, so there's lots of distractions about, which is what people and their dogs get exposed to. You know, when you go on a walk, you have to be able to deal with all that. So... So that's why we like training outside because it's much more like real life than training in a hall. Um, and our classes, um, like I just said, our rally obedience class is on a Tuesday afternoon. And we also do the fun focus play classes on Wednesday, Wednesday mornings. Um, we do our, the fun focus play classes, by the way, our life skills classes. So those are the ones where we teach dogs to, to have manners, not jumping up. We teach them to walk on a nice loose lead. We teach them to come back when we call them and also to have good off lead control, um, which is important as well. And we will all go into all of that and, um, in later episodes. Um, and then on the Wednesday afternoon, we do the push ball classes, which is basically herding with big exercise balls. Brilliant fun. But it does take a lot to actually teach the skills needed to play the game properly. Um, and then on Wednesday evenings, we have some more fun focus play classes. And we also, well, we are starting up a Hoopers class on the Tuesday morning. So if you would like some more information about that, um, go to www.nightsaber.co.uk. Nightsaberdogtraining.co.uk. I can't even remember my own <laughs> website address now. So it's it's nightsaberdogtraining.co.uk. And if you have got issues with your dog pulling on the lead, you should check out my book, which is called No Pulling Allowed. And you can buy that um, either from Amazon, um, where the Kindle version is up at the moment, or you can come to um, the nopullingallowed.co.uk website and you can buy the um, paperback from there. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and, and family. And family, any dog owners that you know. Leave us a comment if you have a question. Or leave us a review if you really like this. We love getting five-star reviews. And um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or wherever you're listening to this. And we look forward to welcoming, welcoming you back next week yeah. for the next episode. Bye-bye for now. Bye.